everybody welcome back to the bros and consoles podcast mini series solo gaming updates episode 32 i believe i am one half of your host nathan choquette aka the trophy titan still working hard getting those platinums towards the end of the year over here you know how it goes for all the trophy titans out there um but yeah how's everybody been doing this is a little bit later in the week um i did post on twitter that the thursday episode was going to be delayed just because of a crazy work week this past several days um but we are here we are uh, making it happen on the weekend saturday december 19th and little i think a little bit of an announcement here so I'm um, just giving you guys a heads up. There's going to be, I believe, probably one episode next week. I believe I'm kind of shooting for either the 23rd, which is a Wednesday, or the 24th, uh, Thursday. So one of those two days, and that will essentially be the last episode of the year um, coming back on most likely, um, honestly, December, or sorry, it's January 5th, I think would probably be the, the day that we'd be coming back. Um, so sometime between the 5th and the 7th is when we'll be coming back there, um, either for a Tuesday or Thursday episode. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's gonna work out just fine over here. Gonna take a little bit of time off because we've got some family visiting at the moment and basically just gonna make sure that all, um, attention can be focused on celebrating with, um, the family during the holidays and everything. So yeah, I hope you guys understand, and thank you guys for listening um, all the time here. I notice that sometimes when that we do go off and have kind of some breaks in episodes, that's when things tend to spike, which is such an interesting kind of thing, but I appreciate that people are going back and listening to old episodes and stuff there as well, so thank you guys for that. Um, but yeah, so like I mentioned, um, next week, last episode of the year, and then coming back strong in January for the beginning of 2021. Let's see how 2020 ends and we'll kind of go from there. Um, For next week, I think what I'm planning at the moment is kind of a look like a a year year review of kind of games that came out this year and kind of more so along the lines of which games I feel are definitely worth taking a look at in terms of, I'm not sure if I'm going to structure it in terms of kind of like AAA versus like indie kind of stuff or if it's all going to be mashed together. So still kind of um, formulating that list inside my mind and stuff right now. And by the time next week, Wednesday or Thursday pops up um, and the episode goes live, you guys should know um, what I ended up deciding on. (laughs) So yeah, I hope everybody is excited for that. We're so close to the end of the year, so close to be over and done with 2020. I think we've all been ready for it for a long time. And yeah, hopefully things are starting to look up towards uh, 2021 as well. But let's go ahead and jump straight into it. I've got a little bit of interesting developments on the CD Projekt Red side with Cyberpunk 2077. I'll just kind of briefly update you guys on that just because I know I said I would I would wouldn't I would make it a point not to have it on every show um, that we kind of talk a little bit about it because, you know, some, some smaller updates happen here and there and it's, you know, we can we can talk about those small things, but Really, I just kind of want to focus on the bigger stuff, the, um, I guess, more prevalent or larger issues there. And it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty big thing that just happened a um, couple... Actually, let's see. Yeah, I think it happened on Thursday evening is when the news officially went live. And when I was looking stuff up, I was just looking up how things were, you know, faring in general and then saw this news and was pretty, pretty shocked, honestly, that it's kind of come to this. So... Um, basically, just to kind of catch you guys up, what's been going on is that 
as you know that we talked about before, um, there's been issues with the game running on base consoles versions, um, specifically the base console, the PS4, as well as the original Xbox One. And understanding that it's, you know, older hardware is one thing, but the fact that the game does not have a new gen, a true new gen version yet, um, is kind of, you know, that's, that's kind of what's pushing this over into being more unacceptable than it is, you know, just kind of a, a flaw of trying to make it work on older hardware as well, because the, the company essentially chose to not put out a new gen version and only focus on the previous consoles. And so because of that and kind of working with PC and stuff and from their kind of words, um, understanding that they've been trying to play it on the newer systems via backwards compatibility. Obviously those things weren't, um, paid attention to when it came to the running on the, the base consoles. And whether you believe them or not on like they, they didn't pay attention to those things because I think a lot of people find it hard to believe that a developer, you know, of, of that size and magnitude wouldn't pay attention to the, you know, vast majority of of places it could be played and stuff is a little, it sounds a little fishy. Um, but putting all that aside, they did mention that, um, in a statement that, that people who were, you know, not wanting to keep the game and wanted to get refunds could basically just reach out to Sony and Microsoft or whichever, um, partners they, they tried to get the game through physical media for, and attempt to get refunds there, and if that wasn't working, to contact them directly at a specific uh, email address. Now, I believe on, yeah, like I was saying, Thursday evening, a statement was put out from Sony basically saying that the game was going to be delisted from the PSN store, which um, for people who are unfamiliar with like the technical jargon just means that the game is no longer purchasable um, in the digital form on the PlayStation Network. And this is a pretty huge thing because times that we see games going um, delisted is generally for reasons such as um, like online games that are becoming unplayable because the servers are being shut down, usually because of like, um, you know, weighing the cost of keeping the servers running and kind of the fan base for the game and whatnot and the money coming in from that game. Kind of usually weighing those one side ends up winning out, which is generally that the game's not making enough money to, you know, um, validate keeping the servers running. So they pull the list or they pull the game from the listing, which means that if someone were to search a game, um, like, uh, for example, Drive Club, which was a very heavily online based racing simulation game. Um, if people were to search for that nowadays, you wouldn't be able to find it on the store. And that's because they don't want you to be able to purchase a game that is no longer working, you know? Um, it's different for cyberpunk because the game, obviously it can boot up. It's not heavily online based or anything. It's a single player experience, but, um, because of this whole debacle of seemingly the, um, CD project red, not coordinating with Sony and Microsoft when they just put out a, a press release saying like, Oh, Hey, you can ask for refunds from Sony and Microsoft, it seems like that was not communicated. And so when people were reaching out to, or customers were reaching out to Sony and Microsoft, they were getting replies back of like, no, like you, they didn't, we can't just give you refunds because the game, you know, is, I think in their own um, refund policies, it kind of states that, yeah, like if you've played the game already and it's clearly not like a broken kind of thing, we don't, we're not in we're not basically forced to give you refunds for this kind of thing. 
and it kind of revealed flaws on both sides where like on the one hand um, the studio didn't have the you know permission to just go ahead and just blanketly allow refunds like that and then on the other hand the refund policies from like sony and microsoft are looking a little bit outdated as well because um, there are better refund policies in place on places like steam and whatnot where i think on there if you play a game i think for under i want to say i think it's for under two hours and are unsatisfied with the product and stuff you can essentially ask for a refund within that first uh, two-week period of after purchase so that one is a uh, is way more i think acceptable as far as refund policy goes but for i think sony judging from what i've kind of been hearing um, in the industry and stuff it sounds like the refund policy is essentially if you have downloaded the game and have played even like a minute of it you're essentially locked out of, of getting a refund which is you know pretty pretty shocking that we're still kind of dealing with these kinds of issues in terms of advancements that people have on like policies and whatnot but you know cd project red has kind of kicked the hornet's basket over here and sony going and delisting the product when it is still clearly workable it's just very bug ridden and you know ugly i would say on on our last gen consoles uh, especially the base models i should i should point out but a lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on there so it's joined kind of a, a growing list of things that have been delisted but like I mentioned, the majority of those things have to do with online servers and whatnot. And this is a very special case. Um, the only other case that comes to mind that's more of a single player thing was the Minecraft story mode um, saga from the Telltale um, game studio. And that was more of an issue with, I believe, because um, Netflix now has the Minecraft story mode uh, season I'm not sure if they have both seasons on there, but for sure season one is on there and you can watch it in episodes, which is an interesting kind of move. I didn't think that that would be kind of the shift that happened there, but it's basically like the, the game when, if you were, if you ever played it or if you have heard of it, you play these kind of like stories in episode formats. And then it seems like the TV show now, which is essentially the story from the game just put into, you know, like cartoon episodes basically where you can just kind of watch the episodes you no longer have that interaction with like oh you can go ahead and choose what's going to happen next kind of thing but you just kind of watch it play out so interesting kind of choices there but that's the only thing that immediately comes to mind in term of in terms of delisted games that are more single player based and you know still worked fine but for various reasons were pulled so Man, I just don't, I don't know when we're going to see the end of all these um, CDPR um, troubles and whatnot, but we'll, we'll hopefully, hopefully know more about it towards like next year and see if things have kind of calmed down and whatnot. I believe it's still the official story that um, the studio is going to be going on break, uh, I believe starting after December 21st. But if they're also planning on putting out big content patches in January and February, like they mentioned before, it's tough to imagine that people are just going to totally, you know, put work aside and not do anything, which is, you know, very unfortunate and sad. Like they, they shouldn't have to be working on this kind of stuff during the holidays. And yet I assume that maybe end up being the case, um, whether it's, you know, possibly just like management going and asking asking workers to like continue to work during the holidays and whatnot or possibly even like mandating it kind of thing i don't have any kind of proof as to which side that's gonna kind of take or even maybe if it's just people that are you know developers that are you know really wanting to try and get this game into better shape and whatnot 
because it's something they've worked on for the past eight years, then we'll have to, probably eight or more years, we'll have to wait and see kind of how that goes. But hopefully uh, everyone at CDPR, all the developers can kind of get some rest and everything, try not to worry too much about what's been going on. Because ultimately, it doesn't seem like it was a fault of the developers themselves. It seems like management has really kind of screwed over everything in terms of the decisions that have been made and whatnot, which is really unfortunate. But let's go ahead and put all that aside, because I have been able to play some games recently. And there's a few ones that I actually haven't talked about yet. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about those. Now, just to give you guys a heads up, I played a little bit of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I ended up realizing as I was playing that I, I took a look at my character and for some reason, I don't know what what happened when I was creating the character. Maybe I was just jumping in briefly, thinking that I was like gonna make it over again. And I had started playing and whatnot and going through like the prologue missions and things. Happened to take a look at the characters, like my character's face and like hair and everything. And I was like, why did I, you know, I, I kind of changed some of the things on the face, but I for some reason just left the hair alone. And I realized I don't even like the guy's haircut. And I think now that I'm thinking about it, I at the time was like, okay, I'll just, I'll leave that alone. I'll probably be able to, just like in the other games by CDPR, um, like The Witcher 3 and whatnot, I'll probably be able to find barbers around the city to change my hairstyle and things like that as I want. So I just kind of left it like that and started playing the game. But come to find out through kind of reading some things and hearing people talk about it is that there are no barbers to any effect within the city where you can change the way your character looks which is a huge misstep in any kind of like rpg like even games like skyrim um back in 2011 eventually i think with the addition of some of the first like dlc kind of packages added in the option to have the i forget what they're called the face changer or something like that in there basically it's it's like allowing you to go back into character creation for paying like a small fee to this um character that was placed in um the thieves guild area of rifton and they allowed you to kind of change like your hair all over again i'm not sure if they allowed you to change your um character race and whatnot which you choose in the beginning I'll have to look into that in more more detail later because that could be something that would be cool to kind of change around. But um, they do allow you to change how you look and um, your, I think even like your gender and things like that if you wanted to. But all that to say that like it's, it's in these old games. It was in The Witcher 3, which is a game directly, you know, previous in CDPR's development history to Cyberpunk 2077. And for some reason in a game that's all about like customization and kind of playing your way and whatnot, it's just not in here at all so whatever you choose in the beginning you better really think about at the moment because there's no going back after you choose those things so i ended up um, going and creating a new file and basically this time trying to make the character that i wanted exactly after finding out that i wasn't able to change my original one <laughs> so luckily going through it seems like all the things that i'm finding I'm kind of finding in the same places. Now, where I think it may change is the items that a few of the enemies that I fought have dropped. So I'm just going to have to go through that prologue mission again, possibly come out with a little bit different loot there, but it shouldn't be too much of a change. So I'm going to slowly work through that and kind of see what happens there. But I was so early in the game, I think only like an hour and a half played that it's not a big deal to, like this to start over. So not not worried about it at all. I also happened to um, catch a game that on the Game Awards was shown off, 
and this one is called Shady Part of Me, and it's a PS4 game. It is a puzzle platformer kind of thing with, I thought, really interesting dynamics in terms of you are kind of controlling two different characters. You control a little girl um, who's kind of more in a like 3D plane, and then you also control her shadow, which appears on the wall. Um, and that one is more of a 2D plane that you're doing that. And so you kind of switch between the two. And basically the goal is to get the girl and her shadow to these kind of um, checkpoint areas, which then reveal more of the, the level that you're on. And you have to get them both to those like same area, like you're always going from left to right kind of thing. And along the way, there will be things that basically kind of stop you from progressing. In the 3D world, the the girl herself, she has a fear of light, and so you have to constantly be walking her around in, like, shadows. And when she gets, like, put in light, basically, she kind of, like, drops down and, like, starts to cower. And you have this kind of rewind time mechanic by pressing one of the triggers that lets you kind of undo what you just did so that you can try to correct it so that she doesn't get trapped in there. Um... I think it's it's kind of a way of like avoiding a kind of game over thing when she gets stuck in the light so that you can rewind things like that, as well as kind of um, slight uh, correction in terms of like where you're going and things. Um, on the 2D side, the shadow girl, she basically has, there are kind of like thorny areas in the shadow world that she can't touch. Um, and so you have to make sure that she's always standing on correct platforms. Some platforms um, disappear after you jump on them, like they're little like cloud shadows kind of things. So you have to make sure that you're constantly like moving her appropriately. And then when she doesn't have a path to go through, you can switch to the girl in the 3D world and essentially move objects in the 3D plane so that it creates um, changes in the, the shadow plane, if that makes sense. So, like, I can move a box, um, maybe a box that's in front of a flashlight, right? And the box, if I move it towards the flashlight, obviously the shadow gets much larger. And so now maybe it's covering an area that she, that the shadow girl couldn't previous, couldn't, sorry, couldn't previously cross, which is a pretty cool, like, puzzle mechanic as far as things go. Um, there's also some collectibles in the form of kind of these little, like, origami birds as well. And they're kind of, like, floating around the levels. They are found in the 3D plane most of the time from what I've seen and as, as well as occasionally in the 2D plane. When they're in the 2D plane, they're essentially just kind of these like um, floating shadow birds. And in the 3D plane, they're kind of these birds just like lumi- or radiating um, a slight amount of light so that you can kind of see them out of the rest of the world. And it's pretty it's pretty cool so far. It's It's an interesting kind of story. It seems like the girl in the 3D world is in some kind of almost like mental institution. So I'm kind of curious to see kind of where this story goes and everything. And also along the way, you can see that this girl in the 3D world, the the 3D world is changing somewhat, it seems like, based on the imagination of the character that you're controlling in the 3D world. So the first level kind of looked more like a, like I'd say like a a mental, mental institution and whatnot. And as she's kind of making her way through the sanatorium, um, eventually she gets to an elevator and you and the shadow girl both get there and end up uh, dropping like down, down, down. And when you get down there, now you're in this crazy world of like giant pillows and teddy bears and 
a big um, toy train and stuff that kind of makes its way through the level. So things are changing kind of slowly and it's it's interesting to kind of see where things are going and I'll hopefully be able to keep you guys updated there. Um, trophy wise, it's got a platinum trophy, which is exciting. It's not one of those ones where it's seemingly just like, you know, super easy platinum, just get through the levels and you're and you got what you want there. Um, you do have to, I think, find all of the floating like bird puzzle pieces. And when you find the puzzle pieces, they make a picture that I think you can then go through and take a look at and stuff. But yeah, I'll keep you guys updated on how that game is turning out because it's it's been pretty fun so far. I'm usually not great at puzzle games, and this one, it seems, is something that I can kind of wrap my head around. Um, so we'll kind of see. I want to get better at puzzle games in general because it's one of the categories of games or genres that I'm like I said, not not great at usually, and it'd be cool to be able to be a little bit more puzzle savvy in, in the future, <laughs> especially when things like Zelda and stuff like that do sometimes rely on puzzles and things like that to proceed. So let's let's try and like, you know, challenge, challenge my brain a little bit. And if you guys think that sounds pretty cool, I think it is on sale at the moment. Um, I think it was 10 percent off when I got it. Full price, I believe, is $14.99 and I got it for $13.49. But yeah, it was announced during the Game Awards, along with a whole bunch of other things, but I this one caught my eye because it looked pretty cool, and it was available at the time the Game Awards um, launched and everything. There are a pretty, pretty decent amount of stuff that came out of the Game Awards, um, a lot of things that are coming next year, and we'll probably talk about that at a later time, maybe even a little bit uh, next, next episode, the last episode of the year, but... Yeah, along with uh, Shady Part of Me, there is another game that I, or a couple other games that I've been playing. One of them is one that I picked up recently because it came out, I think, within the past couple weeks. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really know what to think of it at first. It's called Monster Sanctuary, and essentially, it is the idea of it's like a 2D world, and it mixes things like the Pokemon genre along, like a monster catching genre with a metroidvania style um platformer and it's it's actually pretty cool so far i've been trying it out a little bit um i got to try it out first on game pass because it's one of the games that came out uh, this month but after trying it on there i was like shoot i actually you know i want this game for myself so i ended up going and buying it on the ps4 so i could play it there as well and the interest uh, so i've played a little bit so far probably under an hour but in the beginning of the game, it's telling you this cool story about kind of these four uh, like family lines, basically family bloodlines that kind of have these specific monster spirits that kind of travel back with your family bloodline. And it's kind of a cool, interesting way of introducing, you know, that that classic thing in Pokemon where it's like, oh, you have three different Pokemon to choose from in the beginning, choose the one you want, but they're always fire, water, and grass, right? Um, in this one, they have kind of the, they have four different bloodlines, right? So you can choose, I think there is a a wolf whose attributes are wind and ice. Um, I think there is a lion, which I believe his were fire, and let's say, hmm, I'm, I'm going to get his second one wrong. I'm gonna, I know it was fire and something else. Um, there is a, what looks like a Phoenix who is, I think, wind and fire. So maybe, maybe the lion was fire and earth. And then there's a toad, um, familiar, which is water and shoot. What was it? Or water, water slash ice, um, water and earth basically. 
Um, but along with that, you choose which one you want. You can choose to be like a male or female character. And along with choosing that and your, you know, um, familiar and stuff, it kind of sets you into that specific bloodline. And you then get to see that all the other bloodlines have a monster. Ta- I'm gonna call them monster tamer. I'm not. I don't remember exactly what they call them. I think monster keeper is what it is. They all have their own kind of monster keeper in training. And so I assume throughout the thing, because there is the, you know, um, Pokemon esque battle aspect, I assume that throughout the game you're gonna end up finding, you know, your your other like family bloodlines that I would assume are rivals in this case, and you're going to be able to have battles with them as well. Now, a cool thing that's different from the Pokemon genre is that when you are playing uh, Monster Sanctuary and you come across monsters, right? You fight against them with your the, the monsters in your party, so whether that's just your original familiar or ones that you have picked up along the way. Um, you are... You kind of complete the battle and whatnot. Depending on how quickly you complete the battle, you get, uh, or sorry, how quickly you complete it, how much health your monsters all have at the end left over, and I believe how many turns it takes. Those are some of the the main three things that it looks at. Um, depending on all those scores kind of combined together in, in some formula, right? It gives you a star rating of out of five stars, and the higher amount of stars you get during the end of the battle, or sorry, during that, that you know grading stage at the end, the more likely you are to get rare loot, and I believe the more likely you are to get a experience bonus. So say if you were to get like a one-star thing, I think you just get base experience, common loot, things like that, that the monsters will drop that you fought against. Um, whereas I think in the first battle that you're, you're entered into, it's like your, your, um, character, I chose the, um, was it wind slash water wolf and fought against a slime, which is, I think the standard first battle that you enter. Um, I fought against him, managed to finish it. in I think a few rounds, and then you get graded as a three star there. The three star, I think you get a little bit extra experience and then you get um, some rare loot in there. And one of the things, or it's like a 40% chance of rare loot. And one of the things I got in there was a, a egg, basically. And that's the way that you can actually change the characters, or sorry, the monsters in your party is by finding these eggs from monster drops. And essentially what you do is you go into your inventory, you use the egg, and then it hatches that type of monster for you. So I think right now I have a party made of the the wolf that I chose, as well as a slime, and I think this little like rock slash plant dude with like feet and stuff. <laughs> um, I don't remember their names because I'm giving them all nicknames. I started doing that recently with some of the newer Pokemon games, and I'm just probably going to keep that up because honestly, I'm not going to remember all these like creatures names and stuff because some of them look like things that I know from other games and it's just you know it's a lot to keep track of so I'm gonna remember my things as just like the names I give them and whatnot but yeah I've got a party of three now and slowly making my way through some of the game each um, monster that you have as well when they level up instead of maybe learning new moves and stuff they gain a skill point and if you go into their skill trees every monster has uh, four main skills that you can open up um, some of them come opened up depending on the level they are when you when you get them. And then below that, they have several tiers of kind of like upgraded portions for those specific abilities. So may have like a, some of the upgrades may have like passive effects on adding more like damage or maybe adding a 
status effect, like slowing down monsters that get hit by ice um, with like a 10% chance kind of thing. And it's got these little cool like levels of RPG things mixed in there as well that I wasn't really expecting from a Monster Hunter kind of game. So it's fairly deep and I'm, I'm liking it quite a bit so far. Um, the art style is also really beautiful. It's uh, very like vibrant colors and things. And I'm going to slowly probably work my way through some of this stuff because it seems like it's going to be a bit of a longer RPG experience. But it's been it's been a while since I've, I've played kind of some of the Monster Hunter variety of stuff. Um, the last one I think I was doing was Nexomon Extinction, and that one was really fun as well. So there's just a lot of things to kind of jump into when you're when you're investing in one of these Monster Hunter experiences. So I'll, I'll take them in doses probably, but Monster Sanctuary I think is different enough that I could probably see myself playing quite a bit of over the, the break and whatnot. But along with that, I also got to play some of my Vita as well. Um, for those of you, real quick, who are interested in Monster Sanctuary, I believe it is $19.99 on the um, PlayStation Network as well as Xbox um, Store if you want to buy those. Um, but for people who have Game Pass, like I mentioned, you can go ahead and get that for, uh, for free right now. Uh, I'm not sure how long they stay on Game Pass usually. It feels like sometimes it's like a few months um, and then they kind of switch them out for things depending on popularity and whatnot. But yeah, go go check it out. It's it's pretty pretty cool looking so far and pretty promising. The last one was Velocity 2X, which is a decently old PS4 and Vita game. I've been playing it on the PS Vita just because um, that's kind of what I've been able to carry around with me. And it seems like actually I'm probably doing the correct thing in playing it on the Vita because the touchscreen is really coming handy with this game. It's got kind of like speed run mechanics in there because of the kind of grading system towards the end of each level. And I believe there's about 50 levels in total. Um, you're essentially either you, you have the on sh- on board the ship levels where you're kind of like flying through these, you know, kind of like... Um, linear alien like areas basically and there's kind of the the on-ship portions and then eventually you find parts of the game where you can go off the ship and i think in the original velocity game that one was pretty much just all ship portions and then 2x essentially added in this added layer of kind of like your character being off the ship and running around and kind of doing platforming that way but the game is all about like precision and speed and just kind of going through as quickly as you can while, you know, um, getting rid of obstacles in your way, whether that be like alien ships that are kind of flying around or kind of barriers that you have to shoot the, I guess, what do they call it? Uh, maybe like power reactors for and stuff to power them down so you can progress because if you touch the shields, it's kind of like an instant death. But it's been pretty fun so far. It's, it's a lot of managing on the Vita kind of where I am placing my hands basically um, because of the Vita the nice thing is that you can use the, the front touch screen to kind of directly teleport your ship to where you need to go uh, if you're only using the buttons and the I guess like the the joysticks and stuff on there you have to kind of di- you have to hold it in a certain direction in order to get the cursor to move over and then press a button to teleport which I find is way less efficient in terms of and way less efficient and less um, quick in terms of kind of like moving your ship around. So if you're really trying to speed through levels, which I'm trying to do, because um, you can get a perfect rating by making it through a level as quickly as possible, collecting all of the kind of like collectibles throughout that level, and then what's the last one? Um, not dying and 
yeah, actually, it's just collectibles, time, and staying alive. Um, but yeah, going through all of that with the kind of touch screen and whatnot, I can just quickly teleport to the next area without fear of having to slow down because you have a um, button that you can constantly press to boost your, your ship and whatnot to go through the level faster. And I think without that, it would be a pretty choppy experience. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to kind of navigate between, you know, using the touch screen and the controls on the, the right side of the Vita. And then now that there are the added areas where you kind of dock your ship and quickly go through a platforming level with your character, it's kind of like always being ready to like have to go and like dock the ship to go and find another power reactor for a shield coming up. And then immediately switching over to the, the thumbsticks and whatnot and now starting to just run through this 2D platforming level. And then when you get finish up that, you get to the end and then you kind of jump back to using the touch screen again. It's a lot of like brain energy to kind of like memorize exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. But it's been a fun experience so far. It's kind of a different type of game than I usually play in terms of like handheld kind of stuff. And I'm enjoying it quite a bit. But the trophies are going to be pretty tough because a lot of them are related to getting like perfects across all the levels. Um, I think on PSN profiles, the platinum rate is 1.47%, which is pretty low as far as the website goes. But I can see why, because it's a challenging game and to begin with. So it seems like sometimes these more challenging games kind of get overlooked and whatnot. But hopefully I'll be able to eventually platinum this game. I'm about 10 levels through at the moment, so about 20% through the game. And we'll kind of see how things are changing up towards the later parts of the game. I believe it also adds in boss battles and things, so that'll be interesting to kind of reach eventually and see how that looks. But so far, very cool game. Um, I believe they have Velocity 2X available on pretty much all consoles as well as like um, computer systems and whatnot now. And I think the last, the most recent one that came out was for the Switch, and that was kind of, um, I think the developers at the time mentioned that, you know, if people want a Velocity 3 or 3X or whatever they want to call it, um, they have to, you know, purchase it on the Switch because that is going to let them know what the demand is for the game and whatnot. So I'm not sure if they reached that level of demand that they were hoping for if they were looking into making a third um, game or a third sequel, but we'll see in the future and I'll keep you guys updated. Well, I hope you guys had a good second-to-last episode, a penultimate episode for uh, 2020. I will see you guys back again next week for the final episode of the year, um, coming with some hot picks as well in terms of kind of my favorite games that I've played during this year. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of games I haven't gotten to play and experience all the way through, but I'll do what I can with what I've gotten to play and hopefully see where that kind of nets everything out because there was a lot of good stuff that came out this year. Um, until then, I hope everyone stands safe and healthy and continue to you know, take care of yourselves, whether that's like physical or mental health and everything. And I, yeah, I look forward to podcasting for you guys one last time in 2020. It's crazy to say that we're almost done with this year, but you know, we, we've made it through. We're almost at the end of the tunnel there. <laughs> um, until next time though, take care of yourselves, spend time with your family, enjoy the holidays. 
If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, as always, feel free to write into brosandconsoles at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Indie Ronin with no space. You can find me on YouTube at Indie Ronin with a space. You can find me on the PSN Indie Ronin, no space. So many things, space and no space, all that stuff, but you guys know where to look. Uh, if you need the rundown, it's also down in the um, comments, or the comments, what was that? The description, there we go, description below the episodes as well for actual wordings and kind of spacings and all that stuff. But until next time, take care of yourselves, and I will talk to you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.